Blog Talk Radio. Rain a star. Welcome to night one of a triple header weekend. I am so excited because tonight's guest is awesome. Tomorrow, tomorrow's guest is awesome, and Sunday's guest is awesome. I have a triple layer awesomeness for you. Anyway, if you're new to the show, Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show. So, if bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you, this may not be the show for you. And if that's the case, have a wonderful night. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. Check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your goods, candles, oils, poppets, mojo jars, you name it, she's got it. Wickedwitchstudios.com. All right. It is night one. And my guest tonight is a good friend of mine, the incredible author of Wicca, a Seeker's a traditional Wicca, a Seeker's Guide, and author of the latest book, The Witch's Path, Advancing Your Craft at Every Level, Thorn Mooney. Hey Thorn. Hello. Thank you. How are you? Very kind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm tired. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm okay. Yeah, tired. I think probably we all are. Um, But uh, I'm good otherwise. You know, there's a global pandemic. Well, Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we were talking a little bit ago, and, you know, I was mentioning that a lot of my friends have said that during the pandemic, Their brains have been tired. Obviously, there's a lot to take in, a lot to deal with, a lot of adjusting going on. Even still, there's a lot of adjusting going on. But a lot of folks had said to me, you know, I don't feel connected to the gods or, you know, my path or anything else really for that matter. And, you know, I did a lot of that myself, and I did a lot of, you know, one thing I would do is go to the altar in the morning and, you know, do like a uh, um, gratitude ritual for a few minutes just to kind of keep that open communication. And I don't know if I've been open enough to receive anything back message-wise, but I felt like it was necessary and this book kind of, you know, when I was reading it, I was thinking – Wow, you know, it's been since 2020, March, when things really started to get hairy and freaky, and I kind of took it easy on myself and made excuses for myself that, yeah, okay, there's a lot to deal with, so maybe I didn't have to be as rigorous um, with ritual and my practice, and and I I admit my laziness. I, I kind of slagged off a whole lot, but... This book has really been very helpful for me to kind of like get me back in as far as, and I know this is going to sound silly, but like the part about take your altar apart, (laughs) because I'm a collector of things, lots of things, and I'm like, oh, shit, (laughs) if I take this thing apart (laughs) It's going to be a good month before it goes back together. <laughs> well, you know, I I wrote the book. I started to write the book before the pandemic. And it was because I was, I think, dealing with a lot of what all of us deal with at some point, which was, in my case, it was burnout for a lot of people. It's just boredom or overwhelm, right, confusion, like there's all kinds of reasons why people sort of lose sight 
or maybe aren't sure about what comes next. Um, and it was weird, yeah. like, writing it kind of to myself, you know, dealing with burnout, whatever, like, how do I revive my practice? What next steps are there for me? Yeah. Tra-la-la. And then a global pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And the second half of the book, you know, I wrote while we were all in lockdown. And that just made so much of what I was dealing with more prescient, you know. Um, but sure. Sure. I think kind of thinking about the, the pandemic specifically, like, there's certainly, like, laziness is definitely, like, a thing that I think kind of exists in many of our personalities somewhere, and it crops up, mm-hmm. right? Like, I definitely have gotten lazy, too. Um, but I do want to emphasize that, like, a lot of what's going on with the pandemic, you know, it might it might seem like laziness, but I think, I think that's us being hard on ourselves, you know? Like, this, mm-hmm. I think we really are in the midst of some kind of global trauma, right? And... We do yeah. have to make adjustments about what our standards are. So I don't know, like, yeah, there's there's all kinds of shit that gets in the way, right? Um, so I yeah. hope uh-huh. I hope that you're being gracious to yourself too and kind to yourself. Um, and yeah, that altered exercise is a, is a bear because I think we're all collectors yeah, on some level. Yeah, and there's other things that I also really. I mean, I'm just talking about me. I I completely know my shortcomings. I know when I am completely procrastinating, slagging off, um, telling myself I'll get to it when I, you know, it's important. Yeah, I know. I'll get to it. And then I do or I don't or I, I want to and it's six months later and it's like, hmm, is this as important to me now as when I originally wanted to do it? And I don't know if the pandemic took the wind out of my sails for a lot of stuff or if it's just, you know, because quite frankly, I've made a lot, there have been a lot of adjustments in my life since the pandemic started. And I think Hmm. that, you know, taking all the precautions that I've taken and that I continue to take, there's a point in my personality where I have to say to myself, all right, enough excuses, get on the fucking stick. Are you going to, you know, continue to grow in what you're doing or are you just going to sit there with your thumb up your butt? Because I'm great at sitting around with my thumb up my butt. It's a talent. (laughs) I'm really good at it. But, I mean, you know, like the last time you and I spoke, you had been very encouraging for me to start journaling. And you're like, listen, if, the pens you're using are not working. Get some glass pens. You hold them differently. And being a collector, no shit, Thorn. I probably have 20 glass pens right now. Yeah, one of us. Yeah, yeah. And I, I haven't touched but, like, three of them because I'm like, I kept pressing too hard. I kept breaking the end, you know, and of course I'm like, Mm. Ooh, shiny and pretty. So I bought more and now I'm just not using any of them because it's like journaling. I barely have time to wipe my ass. What do you mean journaling? And I know I have to do it and I know I should do it, you know, and I know I can do it reasonably because it doesn't have to be six pages a day. I can just write a couple of sentences, but again, lagging off um so I, I i you know i'm not a disciplined person and i need to be more so so i'm encouraged that you know if i do the one thing at a time as you have you know exercises in the book that maybe i can get more of my shit together um but it's been it's been difficult you know and there's been a lot of sorting of not just you know, magical items that I have that, quite frankly, that ribbon that I got from, I can't tell you which ritual, and I can't tell you what even decade it was from. Um, Maybe (laughs) it does need to go, because it did have significance, and now it doesn't. And I'm a huge collector of, as my husband would put it, shit. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Um, So I'm trying. I am trying. Sure. Well, I think sometimes, too, we get hung up on the idea that there are certain things we have to be doing and we have to be doing them a particular way. And, you know, like maybe 
like maybe it's okay to not be a journaler. I think the point is reflection, right? Like being being mm-hmm. reflexive, being you know, sensitive and self-aware. And there are ways to cultivate that that don't necessarily entail putting pen to paper. That's a that's a favorite strategy of mine, and it's one that works for a lot of people. But I mean, mm-hmm. you're 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 like me. You're also a verbal processor, <laughs> and like I yeah. mean, you've got this whole record <laughs> of podcasts. You know what I mean? Like part of what you're doing yeah. is talking about yourself and like working through some of those things in social situations. And I think that can count too. Um, other people, they okay. make music or they record videos or whatever. Like maybe it's just a question of finding another medium and maybe something works at different points in your life and you change it up, you know? That's true too. And I hadn't hadn't thought about that. You know, as as I get older, which, you know, being somebody who's almost 60 now, it's you find that time is, is a much more interesting construct because there seems to be plenty of it and not enough all at the same time. And it strikes you that way more on a daily basis. I want to do all the things, as it were, but there's no way for me to fit all the things in. I think there are more of the things I need to do. I'd like to have a record, at least something reflective, even at the end of the week, to see how I dealt with something, because I spend so much of my life doing the verbal processing. And if I could even stand the sound of my own voice, I might actually go back and listen to a show, but I never do. I've actually never heard my own show, ever. Oh, well, maybe that's your homework. There, I've given you homework. (laughs) Yuck. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn it. And pick an old episode. I want you to pick a really old one. It's got to be at least How two far years. back? Two years. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I'm glad you didn't say nine because then it would have I promise. Been gross. Yeah, okay. you'll be able to see differences. Let's see. I mean, all right. If, uh, two years. Okay, sure. All right. And what mm-hmm. am I doing with this? Just listening to it and processing you're going to listen to it and you're going to you're going to make note of where you agree with yourself and where your ideas have changed or where you were really excited about something that a guest said and then you were like now you're like man I don't know or maybe you have expanded on that idea or something the point is to think about where where there are changes i think that that oh, would be, a, a, be an easier way to be reflective I, I, I can go listen to the first time you were on. How's that? How's that? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Since it was your idea, I will do that. I will I will see what I get out of that. That's a very thank you. That's a very interesting Here you go. way to approach it. Yeah. Okay, if you cool. You sit near me long enough, you'll end up with homework. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah because teacher yeah i know (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so what so what's been going on with your world i mean you know you've you're you're a high priestess and and a writer and a musician and an artist and you know you have a youtube channel and you do all these all these things so what has life been like for you um it's been, I mean, it's been, I'm thinking about what you just said about time, right, and getting older, and it makes yeah. me think about, I mean, like, how you can't have conversations about aging without thinking about mortality, <laughs> and I'm thinking sure. a lot about mortality, as I imagine a lot of us are in, you know, the after yeah. times, um, and I, there's so much that I want to do and also that I've wanted to to do just kind of in the history of Mm -hmm. my life. You know, I think about the things that I fantasized about as a kid or things I wanted for myself or things that I was so intent on having when I was a young adult and then as I got older. And I feel like a lot of what I've been doing is reevaluating some of those things. Um, Now that, you know, we're all, I think, looking more closely at mortality. And I'm struck that 
you know, you can't like you can't do it all. Whether we're talking about you know, a, a magical practice that's full of all kinds of stuff, or we're just talking about like your career or the dreams you have for yourself or whatever. Like none of us can do everything. And sometimes the best thing we can do is first like make choices, but then also in conjunction with that, be okay with not choosing some things. Um, yeah. I agree with that. I feel like that's, that's primarily been what I've, I mean, like, I've been reevaluating like what kinds of things I want to, I don't know, like produce, like as a writer, as an artist or a musician, or what things I want to accomplish. I've been flirting with applying to grad programs, um, but you know, I work a day mm-hmm. job too, and that takes up that takes up most of my time. Um, so just kind sure. of thinking about all of those things. Well, let me ask you a question. You know, you're, you're talking about dreams that you had as as a younger person as opposed to like now where you're in the midst of a perhaps a different kind of reality so like what dreams did you have did you have like a when you were what did you want to be when you grew up (laughs) well I mean when I was a kid I, I really didn't have a sense of what I wanted to be I think like it changed I mean, I think a lot of little girls, yeah. myself included, wanted wanted to be veterinarians. So I definitely had like a veterinarian yes. phase, and I wanted yep. to be a marine biologist. Like I, I, I figured growing up that I would end up in the sciences, and I was a biology major in college my first three years, and I switched to English, mm-hmm. kind of because I got I got basically weeded out of my biology program for a variety of reasons. And English required the fewest number of credits of all of the majors. And I went to a school that threw you out after four years. So I basically had like one year and a couple of summers to finish a major. And I just like piled on a bunch of English classes because I was like, whatever, like literature is easy. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Not to say that literature actually is easy, but that was my perception at the time. Um, and then, you know, oh, I did I did I lots was, of other things I afterwards. English I, major. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted I wanted to be a musician. You know, I, I had rock star dreams yeah. too. I think I think what guitarist yeah. doesn't, right? Um, yeah. And then when I actually like became an adult and graduated and worked jobs, and I ended up going to graduate school because I decided that I was gonna like really take the idea of pagan clergy very seriously. And I was researching seminaries and um, I that led me to religious studies. I shifted gears pretty quickly um, to approaching yeah. religion from a secular perspective. Um, and that's something that I fell in love with. And I thought that I was going to pursue a PhD in that. Um, but I became super disillusioned with the academy um, yeah. now I work in academic publishing, so I still work pretty closely, like on the periphery of the academy kind of, I handle, I handle manuscripts. I mean, I work in, I'm a production editor, so I feel like I see academics in their underwear. You know what I mean? I see all the uncorrected manuscripts sure. and, um, yeah. that's really created a lot of further dis- disillusionment, frankly. Um, wow. but part of yeah, me, part I of me still so. wants it. Yeah, part of me still wants it, which is why I'm thinking about applying again, but I don't want to be a professor, so, like, is it even worth it, and is it okay to pursue knowledge for the sake of knowledge? And if the answer is yes, then do I need to do it in a university setting? Like, this is the kind of, like, spasm that my brain has been having lately. I understand that, though. I mean, you know, as someone who's been an educator, which you have been, um, I would assume that there's a natural propensity to attribute a certain amount of stature to a standard college university university setting. Absolutely. Um, for high, mm-hmm. you know, and and there's nothing wrong with that. That's I I think that's wonderful if you have the 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 brain composition that can do that my brain was just not built that way I mean I got great grades I have a degree in English which means I am qualified to correct the mistakes of other people Um, and that's basically what I do for a living I you know fix broken shit and correct people's mistakes Um, 
but there's I think the pursuit of knowledge is is a beautiful thing and I think if you have the wherewithal to want to pursue it and to be able to pursue it you absolutely should you know I I think that's fantastic I'm kind of jealous yeah (laughs) that well that's I mean that's kind of like the rosy picture like that's what I tell myself but you know it's not a secret that I mean, the university system is elitist, Um, it's sexist, Mm -hmm. it's exploitative, like there's so many things wrong with it. So, you know, like, yeah, the pursuit of knowledge for the sake of knowledge is beautiful, but is that really what we're doing at universities? You know, like that's a serious question, (laughs) right? Because it's mostly like (laughs) the rich white boys club, you know, and um, I don't know, like, is it, is it better? Is it... Yeah, I mean, can you alter a system by participating in it? Like, kind of history seems to point to no. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like, and is it? I mean, it's it's such a privilege to even be able to think about going. And I wonder, like, I mean, it would entail walking away from from a stable job, and I don't know that that's something I can do. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that gets wrapped up in that. Um, Sure. But you're right. It's about it's about credentials and it's about authenticity and it's it's sort of like with witchcraft, right? This idea that, well, if I get an initiation, if I get a stamp on the forehead, if I get involved in in a coven, or if I if I get accepted by X group of people, like we have all kinds of ways of establishing authenticity, and it's no different in okay. academic settings. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. The older I've become, the less interested I am in lineage, credentials, authenticity, you know, because it means so many different things to so many different people, you know, it, who who are the credentials really for these days? Am I proving myself to older gardenarians or Am I proving myself to younger gardenarians? And at the end of the day, who gives a fuck either way, really? Um, you know what I mean? I was raised, you know, in, in where I was mentored was, we, he called us gardenias because we were gardenarian without a whole lot of stigma, um, which you can't seem to escape from anyway, you know, and, and you and I have had this conversation where I have whined to you about getting slammed just for saying I'm Wiccan and Gardnerian. Um, so, you know, you, you kind of start to realize the only person it should matter to is you if you're solitary, especially, which I am by choice. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't, I don't have an issue with that. I, I find that, you know, a lot of people focus a lot better in a group setting. A lot of people focus a lot better in an individual setting. It's all, you know, subjective. I don't know. But when it comes to education, education is something that seems to just transcend. Is it an elitist, you know, hierarchy built by men yeah of course it is but so is every fucking job i've ever had you know what i mean right so it's kind of like i'm serving a fucking corporate male master somewhere to be honest with you whether it's putting gas in my car or going to my job in the morning or going to the schools that i went to or or anything you know and it's oh it yeah can be really overwhelming if you stop and consider all of the ways that we support that system, whether intentionally or not, willingly or not. Um, you know, oh, yeah, a lot absolutely. of people are like, well, My... you know, yeah, do this, don't do that, but you're still supporting somewhere along the line someone you fucking hate, <laughs> basically. Sure. Well, the corporate world is no less, like, exploitative. <laughs> um, so then the question just becomes, who will give me the most money? Um, and that's never right. going to be the university. So, <laughs> so it, it, it's, I don't know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to think about there. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I can appreciate that, you know, but when you get, you know, this is the first year that I have actually said to myself, 
they will give you more money if you give them more time. And this is the first time in my life where, and it's not because I make such an amazing salary, but it is the first time that I said, you know what, I'll take the time. Because oh, yeah. the con- the constant grind has been so intensive because as things have gotten worse in the world, the labor force has started shrinking because a lot of people do not want to go back to an office situation so they're getting grabbed up by people who, you know, by jobs that want you to work from home or will allow you to work from home. So, you know, the the intensity for an in-person situation has become even greater this year than it was last year. And um, it's just because, you know, as things change in variants and, and issues with the pandemic, you know, people are now, people who were planning to go back to the office either this month or next are now finding that it's getting pushed to end of year, beginning of next year. So, I mean, there's so many variables. But I also found, you know, and, and going back to the book for a second, you know, I also found that, you know, I had injured myself for like three months. I had to work from home this year. And... <laughs> I started like reacquainting myself with, you know, my altar and and practice and doing a devotional once a day and you know and then I went back to the office and it's like, oh, I've really slagged off on that again. So you know, this book is really helping me get back into the groove. I, I think it's not just about advancing uh, the craft, which you can, of course it's that's why you wrote it. But it just happened to work out right now that it's kind of like a Kickstarter to get back in to where you might have stopped because of all of the oh, overwhelming yeah. stuff, you know. Which well, I the whole was idea great. was the whole idea was what steps are next for you, and for some yeah. people that's going to mean you know, getting kind of out of that space where they feel like they're perpetually a beginner. For other people, it's going to mean like, hey, I've started reading all of these books and I'm a little overwhelmed. How do I actually begin to practice? For some people, it's going to be about picking up a lagging practice or recovering from burnout or figuring out like what comes next for me as a coven leader. Like I think like the theme was what comes next. Um, and I found, I mean, like it's an ambitious book, especially given that it's not for any particular kind of witch. We have this idea that like every Mm -hmm. book has to be about a specific sort of person, but the fact is that we all Mm -hmm. run into walls. Everybody runs into walls and it's about walls. It's not about like what witchcraft is supposed to look like. Right. And I will tell you that I persistently and sometimes... (laughs) one would think almost on purpose, put up and run into my own walls. It's like, now you know you learned better. Why aren't you doing better? Because you're supposed, you know, that's the whole thing, right? When you know better, you do better. Not the fuck always. (laughs) Sometimes I just keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again. Not just in witchcraft and everything. It's like, are you yet sick of this merry-go-round or, or not. And and I guess I'm not because it seems like if I were ready or wanting to change course, I could, but I just let myself slip into the same old habits, which I think a lot of people do. Sure. Well, I think sometimes it's a question of, like sometimes we don't do things we think we're supposed to because we don't really want mm-hmm. to. And sometimes like sometimes we have to examine that, right? Like there are certain things that we have to do even if we don't want to. But there are a lot of things that we're told that we have to do that actually we don't. <laughs> so I wanted to think about that. Um, and then sometimes yeah. it's just a question of not having the thing modeled for us where like we're told that, we're supposed to behave a particular way or practice in a certain way or whatever. And nobody's really given us the tools to do that. So one of the, one of the examples yeah. I use is 
you know, everywhere you hear that witchcraft is work, like you have to do the work. Witchcraft is about doing the work, but nobody tells you what the work is. Like just objectively, <laughs> like objectively, like what yep. does that mean? Because if you actually sit right. down and ask which is that question, they all say something different. Yep. Like some of them will tell you, oh, it's about, you know, like digging into your shadow and blah, 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 like self-examination, whatever, whatever. For yeah. other people, they'll tell you yeah. it's about it's about research and reading and pushing yourself or it's about like, you know, being willing to like stay up late and do rituals even when you don't feel about it. Like, like it actually feels like labor sometimes. But everybody says something different. And you can't tell yeah. somebody to do something and then not, show them how or give them the tools to do it and then be mad when they don't do it. Like that's something I learned working with children, you know, Um, like we, we all can recognize at this point, like the bad classroom teacher where like kids are put in the position where they have to guess what the teacher wants because they don't really tell you like every kid complains about that. We all complained about that at some point in our lives. But then we go and do the same sure. thing, like as witches, and how we talk to beginners and how we talk to each other. Yeah. Oh, well, that person isn't doing the work. Mm-hmm. Well, what the hell does that mean? Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, for a lot of people, it's it's not about gatekeeping. It's about, oh, you don't know something, therefore you don't know it, period, as opposed to you just don't know my way. I think right. there's a lot of assumption made, you know, um, and, and the whole assuming thing, if you could just, like, tell people, try to be open and and remember that everyone's not you, you know. I try to boil shit yeah. down to its most simple. It's most simple fucking terms, and people just want to complicate the shit out of things. And it's like, it doesn't have to be that fucking hard. Relax. You know, you do your circle this way. I do my circle that way. One isn't wrong. Period. One just isn't wrong. Do you? I do me. I won't judge you for you. Don't judge me for me. You know, now it helps to have basic understanding if you are claiming a tradition, you know, if you're claiming to be part of a tradition, you should know, you should have the basic information, but, you know, it's also about personalizing it. I mean, you're a coven leader. I have never been, have never wanted to be, and never will be a coven leader. I have no desire for that level of responsibility. It's a lot of work, and it's fucking hard. It's like being a a business manager, I assume. You know, you are dealing with personalities, and you are dealing with training, and you are – I mean, it's another job. And the gods love you for it, but it's not me. Um, So I just give you a whole bunch of respect for that. Do you find that people expect everyone to do things the same way? or the same way that you've taught them? Um, it depends. I've tried to really emphasize in my own group that folks are going to be different. Like we can be operating with the same, you know, the same book of shadows, the same liturgy, the same whatever. Um, but there are part. I mean, like doing ritual, performing magic, worship, all of those things are, they're art as well. And it's about your personal relationships you know, I make it sound like Buddy Jesus or something, but it really is about, like, your personal connection with the gods. I mean, the whole premise of my tradition is that mm-hmm. you don't need a mediator. Like, here's the toolbox. Here's how you talk directly to God. Here is how you speak for God. Right? Like, it sounds insane if I put it that way, but that's what we're doing. And God right. doesn't say the same thing to everybody. Like, we're all not going to have the same relationships necessarily. And all of that stuff is going to come out in our ritual and our magic, whether we mean for it to or not. It's like playing music. I mean, we're all operating with, like, the Western scale, and we've got particular parameters as far as, like, you know, well, this is what a blues is, and this is how pop music is usually arranged, and blah, blah, blah. And yet, like 
a bunch of songwriters are going to produce different things, even though they're working with the same tools. I use a lot of music analogies. <laughs> yeah. But And so, like, my, my own people get that. Yeah, and I think we all get that. Um, what weirds mm-hmm. me out is that even though I feel like – I feel like I didn't say anything, you know, revolutionary or profound just now. Like, we all know that. We're different people. We do things differently. And yet, if you get a bunch of coven leaders in a room together, it's like we're all shocked that we're different. You know, when you get a bunch of of witches in a space together who who don't circle together, you know, they don't have to be part of the same Mm -hmm. tradition or whatever, but this idea of like, oh, well, I know what witchcraft is. I know what a witch is. But if you really sit down and talk to people, you're practically always operating with a slightly different definition. And you're also like generally operating with different practices, different beliefs behind those practices. And we say that we understand, but we don't behave as though we understand sometimes. Like, why are we shocked when people do different things? Why are we shocked? But we are. I don't know. I don't get it either. I it, it is this is part of, and and honestly this is part of the reason why as many circles as people have been kind enough to invite me to I really over the years have shied away from it. Anyone that was not in my original anyone who was in my original coven is only one surviving member aside from me. And mm. her practice has, you know, she's gone on to study Alexandrianism and and other, you know, like three or four other things. And it's like she doesn't have time to to put a coven together. And I understand that. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a bit older than me. You know, we're tired. So <laughs> it's uh. fine. You know, no shade, no problem. You know, folks get older, folks get tired. So, yeah, so that's, and that's pretty much why I practice by myself now. And I know that there are beautiful, wonderful folks out there that, you know, are are very kind and welcoming. But by the same token, I think after practicing solitary for the better part of 20 years now, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and it's not no. because I don't want to learn more. I do I do want to learn more. That's why I have you on the show. You know what I mean? This is why I have a show. So I can learn more and, and talk to folks and read their books and, and, and get more knowledge, you know? It's the way my brain doesn't fucking atrophy. Um, sure. But I, I find people treat each other, and I don't know if it's, intentional or just this subconscious thing where they find a difference and it's like, oh, you know, that moment of, oh, you do it that mm-hmm. way, you know, it's momentary, but, and it's just, you know, we say we embrace each other, but do we actually, I don't know. It's, it's just that little thing in head that I, I see in people's eyes when they speak with each other, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I think, I think a lot of that I think a lot of that is rooted in you know, we don't we don't have those centralized authorities telling us what's correct and you know, I write about this in the book too. Like I think I think there's mm-hmm. kind of this internal fear that so many of us have that maybe we're not doing it right. And you I think that when, when syndrome yeah, well, when we when we get defensive about how we do things or we get judgmental about how other people do things, my experience is if you sit down and really, like, investigate that feeling and sit with it, and if you talk to other people about that feeling, it's almost always rooted in some kind of fear about what we ourselves are doing. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't think that that's impossible to overcome um as i've gotten older kind of kind of like you right like like my tradition is important to me and my lineage is important to me etc but it's it's important to me in different ways than it was when i was 26 Mm -hmm. right or 27 um it's become more Mm -hmm. about it's become more about how it plays out in my real life and how i've developed as a person and as a practitioner and less about where i stand with other people Um, exactly so yeah yeah. i totally agree 
Mm-hmm. It's more about how I feel about myself as opposed to what you might think about me. Yes. Um, and I think that's what it was probably originally supposed to do in the first place. But yeah. I actually, it was, it was so weird. No one has ever, and I'm almost 60. Again, next, next month, a month and a half from now, I'll be 60 years old. No one has ever questioned my lineage until I think six months ago. Somebody was like, well, who exactly are you? And I went, excuse me? What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and they were like, yeah, um, um, what's your lineage? And I was like, fucking hell, nobody's ever asked that. And I kind of, part of me was proud of it, and part of me was like a little insulted, and part of me was just fucking shocked because no one had ever, sure. nobody ever asked. Um you know, I mean, I had had the the last time I had ever had a conversation about lineage was a private conversation I had with Raymond Buckland. It was a lot, and mm-hmm. that was like a decade ago. <laughs> so I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and I, it, it was, I don't know, I don't know. It was partly, like I said, partly I was proud, and partly I was like, why are you questioning me? And part of me was like. Well, here's who I am. You know what I mean? Like all of those emotions happened at once. And part of me was like, don't be a fucking asshole. And the other part of me was like, ah, but look where you are. You know, I mean, it all ran over me all at once. It was pretty fucking funny. It was my own character study for a minute. (laughs) But I I answered the question and, and I was, you know, and it was met with, oh, very good. You know, no big deal. I, I don't know why yeah. I thought something earth-shattering was coming after that, but nothing did. It was not a big deal. It was just a point of well, curiosity, apparently. It's still kind of a bizarre question sometimes, too, though, if you think about it. Because, like, it's, it's gen- – I mean, sometimes it's asked in good faith. A lot of it, it, depends on, it depends on why the person is asking you and where, right? If it's happening because you're trying to get something – Right, like if you're trying to like attend something or you're trying to circle with somebody, then it's it's normal that they would ask you. But you know, sometimes people just ask. And one thing that I think about all the time is, you know, at some point mm-hmm. there's not going to be anybody to vouch for you, just because people get old and die. Mm-hmm. And even even yeah. more so than yeah. that, um, if you're not actively part of whatever that tradition's community is. You know, like let's let's yeah. pretend for a second that like I I didn't write a book and I like got initiated into my coven and I practiced and tra la la and I ran my own group and whatever, but I never talked like I wasn't mm-hmm. on Facebook, which I'm which I'm not, right? And I didn't go to events right. and people didn't know who I was. Fifty years down the road, nobody mm-hmm. would know who the fuck I was. And like, would that mean Same. I wasn't uh, like a practice? Like, of course not. Um, so I think even even right. how we kind of track each other and vouch for each other is, is different. And the vouching process is different for different lines and different traditions and different whatever. Um, but the real question is, well, can I trust you? And in my mind, lineage doesn't tell me shit about whether or not I can trust you anyway. <laughs> exactly. So like, what the yeah. fuck does that tell you? I mean... You know, it, it's and it's an interesting thing because that is something that I actually had to question myself about because there are people who are still there are a couple of people who are still alive who know the people that initiated me who have long since passed away. Um, yeah, and it, it's almost like acquiring a distant cousin. As a matter of fact, I quietly refer to this person as cousin, and this person knows the person who I was going to after the death of my mentor, the person who stood in as my HPS. And um, mm-hmm. so I feel like, oh, okay, there's there's three of us, and you know, I'm the youngest, and this person I call cousin slightly older, and my HPS is slightly older than that person. So there are at least there are some of us left who are there to vouch for each other, but what am I fucking vouching for? And here's the thing. My HPS, my previous HPS said, oh, I'm adding you to this group, 
And I said, okay, that's lovely. And apparently I never got the invitation that I was supposed to get. And I went back to, to my HPS and I was like, I never got this invitation to the group. Oh, well, I, I have to vouch for you, and, and, I, and, and so-and-so vouched for me, and I'll vouch for you, and if necessary, I'll get them to vouch for you too. And I'm thinking, if it's this much of a process, what the fuck is happening in that group? And do I now even care anymore? And I kind of don't. And I probably should just – and this is just like in the last week – and I'm like, well, maybe I should just say never mind. Because it's not, you know, if you have to go through 9,000 fucking steps to identify me as having this or that, or I'm legitimately allowed to call myself this or that, then that's just an inherent problem right there. And sometimes the things that we think we're proud of can kind of turn on us like, is this necessary? Is this trip necessary? Um, because when I was first initiated, it was you know I I was so excited and it was all I could think about and you know I was bouncing off the trees because I was quote unquote a real witch, um, and it it didn't make me a real witch. It just made me an initiated mm-hmm. one. You know what I mean? And I think people attach a whole lot of stuff and stigma and expectation, maybe unfairly. Do you think that's true, too? Um, it's, it's complicated. I think, I think it's, it's often true. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the times those stigmas don't actually have anything to do with witchcraft. It's kind of like what you were just saying about the vouching thing, right? Like, vouching is important, mm-hmm. but, like, the vouch system, it's about, it's about ritual. It's about circle, and it's about liturgy. It's not about who gets to be in a Facebook group. You know, like that's a strategy, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. It's, it's not people. People talk like, "Oh, well, now you can like be on this list serve," and like that's not the point. Like, I know. Um, <laughs> so that that's kind of where where I get a little bit cagey. Um, I mean, I think it's great to have shared spaces where people feel confident sharing, et cetera. Um, but like, just because yeah. you know you you've joined the same like Discord server or like listserv or Facebook group or whatever the heck it is, like, does that mean you're yeah. going to share sacred space together? Like, no. And I think that's that's what's important to me. Um, and I think yeah, like I theoretically, theoretically, yeah, I think I think initiation does fundamentally change us and make us. Um, I mean it it. I think it does make us better practitioners when compared to ourselves, right? But those initiations are not necessarily like exclusively provided by particular lines or particular traditions. I think there are all kinds of initiatory experiences and the whole point is is transitioning into something that is more meaningful and profound and useful for us. And hopefully yeah. we're learning that from other people, mm-hmm. like people who purport to be initiators. Um, so in that <laughs> sense, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, you know, a legit thing and a respectable thing and a thing that's worth striving towards. Um, but the assumption yeah. that being an initiate in a particular line or a particular tradition, like automatically makes you better than somebody else, like that's not true. Exactly, exactly, which is why I question this whole thing of, you know, and I know it was well-intentioned and and not to take anything away from the kindness of my loved ones because it was done in absolute love and kindness, but there's just some clubs that if it's that hard to get in, they probably don't want me. <laughs> so that's how I feel I about academia. That's how I feel about the university. <laughs> really? No, Do you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Why? So, why would I, I get want it. to be in a club that would have me as a member? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I find you brilliant, and I find you well thought out, and I find you approachable and likable and interesting and smart and really. Your approach, I, I mean, I think your approach to things is off the cuff a lot and brilliant. 
and I think oh, it's refreshing. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, you're very welcome. That. I mean, I I find a lot of folks not, and I don't think they mean to do it, but they come off, even though you are a professor, they come off as professorial, which is very different. You know, it's like I feel like there are certain people in the world that if you ask them a question, their immediate thing to jump to is, well, why don't you know that? Whereas if I were to ask you the same question, you'd be like, yeah, sure, let's have a cup of coffee and talk about it. And it would be great. You know what I mean? And it's, I just find you, I find that you write a lot the way you speak. And it's yeah, very I try to. easy to like, it, it, it's, it makes reading more enjoyable because it's like, even if it's a one-sided conversation, I feel like when you say certain things, I'm like, well, yeah, I don't want to be a sidekick, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like you ask the questions that make sense oh. to that. I feel, yeah. I feel like I should answer a lot of the time, well, which makes reading your stuff a lot of, very cool. I appreciate that. A lot of that comes from working with children, honestly. Like I think, you know, and I was, I was in the school system when I was writing traditional Wicca too, and working with kids, you learn real fast about how to, I guess, you have to be kinder, um, and you mm-hmm. learn that there are strategies behind like how, what people know and how how they absorb things, and you can anticipate questions better. And I think kids just made me a lot kinder. Um, and I, I hope that that comes through. I think that's the difference between assuming that somebody should know something, you know, just because they're a grown up or just because of whatever. Um, but we don't. Yeah. Like we all, we all have stuff, and we all need to sit down and have a cup of coffee, you know, with a friend instead of being scolded by somebody who's just supposed to be our better. Mhm, mhm. I, I totally agree. One of the many reasons why I think you're fantastic. Um, and I really do appreciate the fact that this book came out or is coming out when it's out. You know. Um, yeah. Because I think it's really it's really needed like right now and I'm so impressed even though you you were writing it you know, books don't come out the day after they're written obviously. It could take a yeah. year, eighteen months, in some cases even longer, if there's a, a publishing issue with, with time, just time, uh, could push a yeah. book back because of schedules and other things. So I'm I'm really amazed that this book came out at such a timely moment. Um and and it's really fantastic. And it's not just for again, at any level. That means practicing now and kind of like bored and tired, pick up this book. The Witch's Path is an amazing book. And I, I really recommend it. I love it. It's enjoyable. You you will be challenged without feeling like you're being scolded, which, as you've just heard me say, is really important because as an old person, I want somebody to be nice. So I'm very appreciative of it, and I, I just think you're incredible. So tell me, are you working on number three? What's going on now? Um. Sort of. I I have a couple of works in progress, and actually Jason Minky and I are working on something together. Um, but there's questions Yay. about what form that will take, what approach we want to use. So, you know, this it's in its its nascent stages, um, and I'm also writing mm-hmm. these days. Um, so. I don't know. I've got I've got a fair number of irons in the fire, I guess. Um, but I'm not. I'm really trying to make myself like take my own advice and allow myself to hit pause and relax. And I think there's so much pressure, especially for witchcraft authors, to just churn out book after book. And in my experience, like lots of writing, that's less time for me to be working with my coven or practicing witchcraft or whatever. So like I need to hit pause and like mm. practice for a while, you know, and when I have something that I feel like it's worth saying, I'll say it. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of people, and I don't know if you, you know, because I've, I'm not a writer, so I don't know how this works. I don't know if the publishers put pressure on writers. I don't know if there are book deals that work that way. I don't know if you're expect like musicians, you know, I mean, you know, bands are expected when they're hot. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to you got to strike while the iron's hot. You got to be in, you know, every big band show. You've got to tour. You've got to put out more albums. You got to write more songs. And there's this grind that basically kills the talent. Um, I've seen it 9,000 times. I'm married to a musician. You are a musician. Um, I was a musician many, many years ago. And I see how the grind just basically kills the creative spirit sometimes. Um, so I definitely think that that's the luxury? true. But yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I definitely think that that's true, but the pressure doesn't come from the publisher. Um, I think we okay. have this idea that, like, uh, oh, like, all of these authors, you know, it's it's Llewellyn or Weiser or whoever that's, you know, squeezing them for materials. And that's not true. It's Instagram hustle culture is what it is. Um, authors oh, are paid very okay. differently now than they, than they were even, even 15, 20 years ago. And I see this with a publishing job too. Um, and uh-huh. we we put that pressure on ourselves. And a lot of that I think is okay. driven by social media and this idea that everybody else is doing it better and working harder and more productive. So the authors who hmm. I'm friends with, who I hang out with, you know, when they when they run themselves hard, when they're when they're feeling dry, right, a lot of that is self imposed. Um, and it's it's self-imposed in the sense that like capitalism does that to us, and we're all responsible for, you know, our own our own hustle, right? Like a book is made or break or broken by how big our platform is, and I don't know. Even your downtime feels like work when social media is part mm-hmm. of your job. Um, so I don't think I, for yeah. me the pressure doesn't come from the publisher at all. It comes from myself. Um, and inadvertently yeah. from my peers, I think we pressure each other. Wow. That's a lot. I mean, that's just a lot. That is a you lot. Know? I mean, I think, I think the culture that – see, and as I said, because I'm not a writer, I don't know these things myself. So I have to, like, ask my friends who are in the business to, like, give me insight, sure. at which I appreciate. And I just – I'm concerned, you know, uh, there's a very well-known writer out there who I don't want to name because I just don't think it's appropriate, but this person pushed the shit out of themselves and pushed and pushed and pushed and was like, I'm tired. (laughs) I'm really, I'm having a hard time and I'm tired. And I'm like, I get it. You know, you've, you've been on this nonstop PR train and, you know, it's been amazing, and, you know, it's it's hard. It's really hard, and it looks hard. Yeah, absolutely. And I wouldn't want to have to do it. a lot of you know. are in that position. It sucks. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. But, yeah, I mean, but I appreciate, you know, listen, you're still putting out quality stuff, so that's amazing and awesome, and I hope – you guys will cut yourself some some breaks because it's got to be when you're when you're a writer and you're putting part of yourself on paper every time you pick up the pen or sit behind a keyboard it's got to be it's got to be very jarring to your soul cuz you're putting yourself out there for Applause, yes, but criticism too, and and people are not necessarily nice anymore. Oh no! So I'm very, I know. So it's you know I'm very appreciative of of not just your talent, but your ability to say you know what, I write because I have to, and I'm getting it out there, and I'm doing it, and (laughs) I I'm I'm just in awe of it because I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. I thought about doing it, as you know, but when push came sure. to shove and things changed in my um, reality so that everything was my responsibility, 
I was like, Mm-mm, I can't do both. I can't write and do the show. So I picked the show because I don't have the talent to be a writer. And I don't say that as a negative. I don't think everyone should write a book. I think there are a lot of people who write books who maybe should have thought of something else. Um, but that's just me personally, you know. But I'm in awe. No, I get it. And I thank you. Well, I thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me. Our time is—it's eight o'clock, girl. We just went through an hour. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on on a Friday after work. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Everybody, the book is *The Witch's Path: Advancing Your Craft at Every Level*. The author is my good friend Thorn Mooney. Thorn, take care, and I hope to talk to you again really, really soon. You too. Be safe out there. You too. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. I will be on tomorrow at 1 p.m. with the amazing Courtney Weber, and we will be talking about her new book, Hecate, Goddess of the Witches. Everyone have a great night. I will see you tomorrow.